Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets go into the history books as the team that handed Detroit their 27th straight loss. We break down on the tight contest, the impressive performance from Cade Cunningham, and ultimately the bench mob that came in like heroes along the way. We dive in next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you'll find Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbeck. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And Doug... Never in doubt, 118 to 112, the Brooklyn Nets, like true heroes, escape from Detroit victorious and unfortunately for the Pistons, hand them that record-setting loss. Yeah, man, this was a little bit of a nail-biter. You don't want to be the team on the wrong side of this one. I mean, obviously, you don't. I mean, step one, you don't want to be the Pistons. But don't step the, two, yeah. after that, you do not want to be the team that um, is able to sort of let them off the hook, get them off the schneid and be the team that stops this historically infamously historic streak at this point. Um, And the Nets, this one felt a little closer because it was closer at times. We probably knew it was going to be tougher. Pistons clearly came out with a, we don't want this to happen sort of uh, attitude and energy really throughout. Um, So sort of, I mean, some ways kudos to the Nets for sort of staving that off. This is not an easy task. There's a lot of pressure on them going into this game. I know, folks aren't going to want to hear that. They're going to want to say that this is like, should be an easy dub against the Pistons. And in the end they get the W. So it's not, you can't complain, but this is a, this is like the, the it's an unenviable spot for the Nets to go into for this game, right? Like history is on the line. You don't want to be the one that stops the streak. It's in Detroit. They're getting their, you know, their full starting five who they kind of imagined starting the season with back basically for the first time this year. So mm-hmm. it's like a tough spot, but the Nets sort of, you know, kind of grit down and they're able to pull it off and you know a win's a win and they're not going to be the ones that go into the wrong side of the history books on this one yeah and now even going forward right whatever team maybe the Detroit Pistons snap it against it'll have a different vibe because history's already been made here right you already are now the new holder of that record and you mentioned Detroit really I mean listen they they took care of the first quarter in a big way against the Nets we'll get into the starting lineup at some point along the way here for these Brooklyn Nets but you did have to find a way you know there's a gap in between here in these games, but it is the home and home. And and that that does create a little bit of a different energy, whether or not Detroit is obviously a bad team. When you see a team for consecutive games, I think it does at least give you some avenues where you feel like we see some things on film. We can try to maybe attack a little bit better. We can do some things to start the game to give ourselves a leg up. But from a Brooklyn perspective, excuse me, after the 31-25 quarter, they explode in the second quarter after being down six for a 36-point second. They get the lead at the half. It does get tight across the third and fourth quarters here, obviously. But I don't want to be too you know, generic with it, but it seems like it plays back to law of averages by the end of this. The Detroit Pistons aren't a good team. They miss a couple of shots. They have a couple of turnovers. The Nets get a few buckets to fall, and you feel like, yeah, when you look at the talent on paper, the Nets should get this win, and they do just that. Yeah, and it had like sort of like a mini, I don't I hate to call it playoff because it's like, hey, you're talking about a team that just won a gajillion losses. <laughs> they just but that is what Detroit game. brought to it, though, right? Detroit brought that energy to it. 
And and I think the Nets did too. I, I think there was an understanding here that no one wanted to be on the wrong side of this, right? Like you, this is a game that became sort of like national high profile. You have the big accounts like Woj like tweeting about it. These are the things that just wouldn't really happen. I mean, who cares about the Pistons and really the Nets? The, the either of these teams this year, right? Like national national speak. These are not teams that sort of register in the national conversation, nor should they, right? Like they're not championship caliber teams. They're sort of, you know, Pistons are here for the wrong reasons, but no, no one's really talking about the Nets unless it's a, unless it's a like, oh, is Donovan Mitchell going to get traded there conversation, right? Like right. those are the conversations. Otherwise, in terms of the actual games, legit nobody cares in the NBA. So when you have bigger accounts, when you have national buzz around the game, it is going to give a totally different vibe. And it was, I think there was a lot more eyes. To, there clearly were a lot more eyes tuned into this game oh, yeah. than and a random December Pistons Nets game where you know the Pistons had not lost 25 straight games yeah. but because of the context around the game there is a, there are significantly more eyes on it and the players clearly know this because again as much as you want to go into this be like oh my gosh like don't choke and actually because it would have I mean, it would have been a classic choke job if the Nets were had lost this one and I know there's folks out there and you know look at your, look at yourself in the mirror here that we're probably convinced the Nets were going to lose, right? Like, oh, this is just what they do. This is what happens. It, this is, of you know, course, the, we're the of team. Of course, of course. <laughs> right, I just know all the all the the, the tropes of, of fandom. But so, and I think that like those, those things all play into the narrative of this game. And I think you could definitely feel it as you were watching this game. This game did not have a feel of two just sort of teams sitting around the bottom of the Eastern Conference playing. No, this felt like, hey, neither of us, want to lose this game and that was the clear energy so i think from that perspective for the nets to hang in that i think that is i mean commendable is that the right word it's thank goodness they didn't lose and they they, they, you know they understood the assignment they got you they got the job done you can't really complain about that part of it at least and cam thomas had said it after the first meeting a couple of days ago saying we know what's at stake here we don't want to be the team that's on that ledger so we came out and we handle our business at home and then obviously they come out and handle it on the road as well just a little bit i'm gonna parse a little bit of words here two teams at the bottom of the eastern conference doug i'm sorry my brooklyn nets are in the eighth position right now the playoffs okay they have a death that's my bad they have a death grip on these playoffs yet Doug is correct that neither one of these teams Gardner's national narratives, but tonight everybody was focused in on them. So it's good to see, obviously, the Nets get the job done. And there were some very familiar themes for Brooklyn coming into this game. The bench needing to step up in a big way, looking at those starters, looking at the combinations, looking at some Jock Vaughn decisions as well. So we'll take a look at all those things and then pull back high level. Is it still concerning where the Nets currently stand at the moment? We'll get into that here coming up in just one second. But first, as you know, our partners over at eBay Motors have been teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week all season long. Whether you're prepping for the daily draft or scouting that waiver wire every week, we're going to be providing you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So, Doug, let's see who Josh has picked up for us this week in eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Yeah, I've got a bunch of good ones here from Josh Lloyd. Uh, first of all, Dante Exum, he's stuck in the starting lineup here with the Mavs, even with Kyrie out. Now, Kyrie might be coming back soon. He might stick even beyond Kyrie coming back. He's just been that good. Maybe he can play the three, getting a lot, actually getting shots up in the Dallas offense, too. So you got to like Dante Exum if he hasn't been picked up yet. Isaiah Hartenstein, he, Mitrov is out for the season over there for the Knicks. He's going to play all the minutes at center if you're watching on Christmas Day. He was a double double machine there against the Bucks. If Hart, Hartenstein might be picked up, but if he's not in your league, 
make sure you're getting on that one. Also, Jalen Johnson just returned. Sometimes these guys get dropped uh, if there's not enough injury slots over in the leagues that you're in. If Jalen Johnson was dropped in your league, make sure to add him. He is back in the Hawks starting lineup. All this stuff courtesy of our friends over at eBay and Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it with eBay Guaranteed Fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, the price is your burn rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So as we continue, the Brooklyn Nets 118-112 road victory over the Detroit Pistons and handing them the record-setting single-season losing streak of 27 games also pulled themselves back to 500 at 15-15 and 15 here. So, hey, listen, sometimes when you get games against the Detroit Pistons back-to-back, you take advantage of that and feel like you get a little wind in your sails as well. Not often, though it has been a theme for the Brooklyn Nets, do you skip over sometimes the starting rotation to start the conversation around what was the path to success here? I know we're going to hit all the usual suspects of Cam Thomas and Bridges and Johnson and all these guys. But this bench, Doug, when yeah. you talk about this game, the plus minus, only two players in the starting unit, Spencer Dinwiddie, who had a terrible shooting night, plus one, Mikhail Bridges, even. Other than that, it's negative. When you look inside this bench, plus 16 for Dorian Finney-Smith, plus 14 for Royce O'Neal, plus 15 for Dayron Sharp, and then plus three, for Dennis Smith Jr. as well. The, the bench unit is the story of this game, as it's been all season. If you come off the bench, you are incredible for the Brooklyn Nets. They needed every single one of those guys in order to get this win. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, it's been the whole season long with this thing. This is the theme for the whole season. This is the only reason the Nets are 15 and 15. It legit is the only reason. The only reason that this team is 500 right now and not well below is because the bench has been amazing this year. And, you know, they've lost a couple guys from injury because Lonnie Walker's not here, but they're starting to get healthier. We saw what happened with the bench when these guys were injured. They Like Dennis Smith Jr., they, they, they were getting trucked. And it's been the story all season for these guys to come in down the line, plus 16 DFS, plus 14 Royce, plus 15 for Dayron. And we got to talk about Dayron here. Yeah. I mean, they were, they, were the, they were legit the reason the Nets won. Yeah. I, like, that's not even... I, I I don't even want to say, oh, they contributed to the Nets winner. Like, oh, you know, they, 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 no, they were the reason they stopped the bleeding when the starting lineup, which we'll talk about, just can't beat anybody at anything. They bring these guys in all these different combinations with these guys work. Mm-hmm. And each one of those dudes was just absolutely amazing. Uh, Daron Sharp was Daron Sharp saved the game for them. Uh, like he came in, grabbed every rebound, finishing at the rim five for seven from the line. He was the MVP of the game. Like give him the game ball. <laughs> I'm being serious. No, no. <laughs> like, and it was Dorian Finney-Smith who also hit the dagger three there to kind of yeah, really sorry. put a cap I on this thing in the fourth. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah, no, no, right. no. But And I'm, I'm including I'm including Dayron in this. Like I'm just saying it's like, by the way, these are two bench players that late in the game are the ones who are doing the critical things for this team. Dayron got extended run here before Claxton came in around the 2-12-ish mark in the fourth quarter, and he got the final run there. But it's all of these guys that have those big plays. And on Dayron, because that's what matters most here, you mentioned it. I mean, not only does he go, you know, three or four from the field, it sounds like nothing, but it's everything. Also went to the line seven times, though, and knocked down five of those in a game where this team was terrible at the free throw line, 27 of 43. Yes, Dayron Sharp was a critical piece there as well. 11 rebounds in 22 minutes, three assists, two steals, four blocks. Like he put up a full game line by a lot of standards and did it just in 22 minutes in critical moments as well. And, you know, one of the things I looked at coming into this game, at the five-man lineups, it was a small sample size. 
but I think you're going to see it grow here, obviously. Dayron Sharp, when he plays with Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Bridges, and Johnson, guess what? They're a 126-90 split, a plus 36 across 54 minutes. And I, I really only illustrate that to kind of remind everybody that Dayron Sharp has taken a next very big step in his young career this season. He's become relied upon as opposed to a high-energy guy that gets you rebounds but also creates a little bit of chaos and clunkiness. He now fits inside of this team and has really become one of the key players off the bench. Best plus minus on the team for the whole season. I mean, well, okay, I take it back. Armani Brooks has a little bit higher. If you just filter out for anyone who played actual minutes, plus 3.4 for the season. So he's over Lonnie Walker, who had led in that stat so far. He's been amazing. Like, what a leap that Sharp has taken yep. this season. The finishing around the rim is better. The body control is better. The key for him tonight was he stayed out of foul trouble, thank goodness, because they really needed it. They really needed him to actually just stay in the game, uh, mm -hmm. which has been sort of problematic for him at times. This is just, it was just a, com a total complete game from him. Like his 22 minutes were some of the best 22 minutes he's played all season long. They were nearly, it was really nearly perfect, honestly. <laughs> like you really can't imagine him have done, done any more here. Like protected at the rim, he got absolutely after it on defense. Every single shot that didn't go in, he grabbed it as a rebound. And some were like sort of high, high degree of difficulty rebounds, body moving back the opposite way. And, and somebody didn't even get counted because he got fouled because they yeah. were trying to keep him off. They were trying to keep him off the boards and they just kind of had to hold him down. He was amazing. The rest of the bench was amazing. Just to go back to the top with that. It's been the whole story of the season. They've saved the fact that the starters have been so lackluster to the point of sort of like criminality. They've been that bad. And it's real. I mean, I guess it's marks. It's like hard to know who to really give credit here. They built out a deep roster. <laughs> I mean, I guess you got to give marks the credit. Um, they build out a deep roster that's able sort of consistently, as long as they're healthy, basically bury some of these these second units. Because when it's Daron Sharp and DFS and Royce O'Neal and going the other way, it's Marcus Sasser and James Wiseman, right? And like guys like this and Kevin Knox, like that's a huge difference, huge yeah. difference yeah. on a night to night basis that they're able to just sort of bury these every, the other team's seventh, eighth and ninth guy often cannot hang with who the Nets have when they're fully healthy. And tonight was just another perfect example of it. And the funny thing about it is too, the other guys that are contributors there, we mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal has been incredibly consistent. Listen, there's games when Royce O'Neal looks a, a little bit old and a little bit slow. And then there's games like tonight where he is just kind of bouncing around. He has the rhythm. He's knocking down a handful of critical shots as well. And when you think about that bench, we, we've talked about Trendon Watford before. We know that Lonnie Walker is injured right now, but you found a way we're in a season that you and I talked about at length going back to last year saying these guys shouldn't be on this roster. It's not about them as individuals. It's because they have value. They should have been traded. And now you're here in this season and you're looking at it and going, well, thank goodness these guys are on the bench because what right. would we be talking about for this team this year? Right along with Aaron Sharp as well. That bench theme. If you don't have these guys, if you're playing to your point, credit to Sean Marks. We want to give some credit to the coach, coaching staff, the development with some of these younger guys as well. But if you don't have the deep team that you have, we're having a much different conversation about how the starters cannot hang with most other starting five-man units around the league, and they don't have anybody to bring in to give a different look, right? So, you know, a game like tonight, take away one of those three players that we just highlighted there, the Nets are losing this game most likely. And they're losing a lot of other games throughout this season. Oh, yes. Plus one of those key players, right? Lonnie yes. Walker, even Dennis Smith Jr., sometimes not in the stat box all the time. But there are critical plays made by this bench unit, It and, and not a lot of other teams in the league 
would see that type of volatility if you just took one or two players off their bench, not out of the starting five, off their bench unit. Yeah, and again, like how fitting for it to go this game, right? It's a high leverage game. It's a high leverage game for like the narr- narrative street. It's not like it's not yes. really a leverage game for the Nets in terms of like it doesn't count extra in the standings, obviously, like that, right? It's not it's not a, an island game. It's not a Christmas game. Like some of these other higher leverage, just like national kind of games. But there's lever again, just to go back to the top. There's le- there's there's stuff happening here, right? You yeah. don't want to be you don't want to be on the wrong side of this ledger. Um, because this is a ledger that gets kept weird. So it's so fitting for the Nets, especially if people were tuning in for the first time for this team, which maybe some people were because they're watching, you know, sort of it go the other way for Detroit. For it for for you to see that this has sort of been the story of the season, right? Like this has been the the, the this has been the story for the Nets this year that this bench has gotten the job done. Do you think when you poke your eyes in on a game like this, is just to your point, you, you watch the Nets for the first time. Do you think that people uh, passingly observe, oh, their starting unit's bad, but their bench is really good? Or is maybe the end of becoming, oh, they're a deep team. This is a deep team that, that's hard to maybe win against, and this is how they are 500. Just as you know, now, I think like if level. you're just stopping in, I think if you're stopping in, you, the things your eyes will notice is like Dayron's line, right? Like Dayron yeah. Sharp's line, because that's just easy to... It's like it's we talk about it. It's like the num num stuff. It's like ooh, the rebounds and the blocks and the and 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 the the steals, right? Right, mm, you know, like that. It's like stuff you can really glom onto because it's really easy to see, right? It shows up in the box score. It's all the stuff that gets like literally counted, uh, the rate stats. So I think those are the things you would end up noticing. I don't think you, and we're going to talk about the starting lineup here in a second, but I do not think you would notice that other part because that's something you have to have been sort of watching for a while on this to kind of know that this has gone, I mean, completely and utterly sideways, but no. So I think you would, do, I think you would just notice specifically like Dayron's thing and like DFS isn't sneak up. Most people that no, are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think they mostly know him. Come up, come up here in a second. We'll talk about the starting unit, the slow start from Mikhail Bridges rounded himself into a little bit of form there. And then a rare occasion tip of the cap to a Detroit piston, known as Cade Cunningham, who had one heck of a game, even if it wasn't a losing effort. We'll wrap that up in just one second. All right, before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at Game Time. If you're buying tickets, look, the number one thing you want to have is just going to be fun, right? You're going to the concert, you're going to the game, you're going to the play, you're going to the comedy. You just want the experience to be easy because what you're going to do is fun. And sometimes this ticket buying experiences could just be the very opposite, not with Game Time. Game Time makes it so easy they have everything you need under one roof you're gonna be able to see exactly what you're gonna see from your seat when you sit down you're gonna get uh, last minute flash deals you're gonna get the best price guaranteed it's all there for you over on game time right now if you go over to game time Ooh, it's getting a little steep here, but there's still tickets on sale, but bucks at net starting at $102. So it's getting a little pricey over there in game time. Maybe you want to just uh, wait a couple games here, go over to game time. Blazers at nets starting at $20. Now we're starting to get more into Doug's price point. It's all there for you over on game time. Look, take the frustration out of the, the seat and ticket buying experience by getting over to game time. Go to download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA for $20 off. Your first purchase terms apply again. Create an account, redeem the code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price is guaranteed. 
All right, so as we tie a bow on the 118-112 victory for the Brooklyn Nets, getting themselves to 515-15, and 15, got the Bucks coming up, got the Wizards coming up. Of course, we'll be living on every single game here for the Nets, pretty much it feels like going forward. Before we talk about the starting lineup here, I just do want to give a quick nod to Cade Cunningham for the Detroit Pistons. 37 minutes, you know, we talked about him in that last game saying it's hard to any player on a bad team to really examine whether or not they're good or bad because of who they're playing with, because of who they're being coached by, and just being a miserable team. 37 minutes, 15 of 21, 8 of 10 at the line, 3 of 4 from deep, 41 points overall, and really just that late in this game in that fourth quarter, it was Cade Cunningham. It was get a rebound, give it to Cade Cunningham. He goes down and tries to get at the basket or knock down a three. Make, made bucket, give it to Cade Cunningham. Like there was clearly just this is it, this is the team. And I will say... I did have like a little moment of, of jealousy of, oh yeah, now that's a bad team and I don't want to be rooting for the Detroit Pistons, but Cade Cunningham is the man for the Detroit Pistons. And you can see that in a game like this. And you know that that's what the identity of this team is going to be going forward. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, they staved it off. I, he like, thank goodness it kind of like got started late for him because it was mostly in the second half, right? I yeah. think it was like 34 of us, the 41 were in the second half or something like that. I, if he had been, rolling like this or pressing the issue like this all game, they would have lost almost for sure. Uh, like they, they just could, they had no, they had no answers at all for him. He was so good. Um, obviously like number one overall pick, like it's kind of come along slowly. He's mired in this losing streak. It's hard to totally blame him though. He has not been amazing. The team is really, really, really poorly. I mean. the yeah. team's team's really, really poorly constructed. This was, I mean, I, again, just to go back, this is not an excuse, but tonight I, I'm pretty sure this was like the third minute that this, Act, this was supposed to be their starting lineup from the beginning. Yeah, Cade, Ivy, uh, uh, Bogdanovich, Duran, and Stewart. And they've really, they've, because of injuries to Duran and Boggs specifically, the team has really not played together very much this season. Now, again, that's not an excuse for losing this many games in a row. Every team deals with injuries, but you did see flashes that like there is something here with this team for sure. Yeah. And you get the sense that like this group had been even a little healthier, especially with Duran, that they would not have lost this many games in a row, but. Yeah, no, Cade, what are you going to say? Like, he's 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 shown flashes of superstar. He's just not consistent enough. That, that's his biggest problem. Wonderful start to hear the free Cade chance, right, coming out of Detroit. Now, also the sell the team, the sell the team chance were. <laughs> the sell the team <laughs> chance are well underway, and you will be yeah. hearing those in Detroit for weeks to come. Uh, now, on the net side of things, though, inside of the starting lineup, a familiar theme. One, same starting lineup. We, we've talked about this at Nauseam here. This five-man lineup gets beat every time that they play together. And guess what? They got beat. Again tonight as the starting unit. They also started out incredibly slow. Mikhail Bridges didn't hit a single shot for a long stretch in this game. Finally got it going in the second half. And if you want to look at that as being the positive, that by the end of this one, he goes 6 of 14 and gives you a 21-point performance and got to the line a lot. Like, that mattered as well here. Sometimes when you're playing bad teams, when you're playing young teams, you need to be willing to lean into the thing that you think can be successful. And that's just... You know, bad fouls, taking too many fouls. And then also late game sequences here. They're doing that to extend this game. Mikhail, frankly, missed back-to-back -back free throws that would have iced this thing at the minute and a half mark instead of actually dragging it out a little bit longer. I don't I don't know what to say about the starting unit outside of the fact that, that they're struggling and they are not finding a consistency here. And I'm surprised that Jock Vaughn, I, I thought that one of the Detroit games was going to be the moment when you say, Okay, Dorian Finney-Smith, you're back in there. Let's get some good vibes. And instead, they go with the same lineup. They get the wins. So it's, you know, you can't knock the result. But maybe they're just going to live with our bench units will win these games for us while our starting unit tries to figure this thing out. Well, I know what to say. We can't ever see it again. This unit stinks. 
Like, yeah. like they stink. There's not, there's not even another word for it. The players in the group do not stink. Yep. The combination of those five guys stinks. They we can, they cannot do this again. It's every game, every single game. They go out there. The starting unit spots the other team five to ten points. They then they do it again at the second half where they scot them five to ten points. It's the worst. I've said this many times. It's only gotten worse since I originally never, said this. It never gets done like, because it's the worst, and then it only gets worse than that. It's only gotten worse. They're the worst starting five. They're the worst five, not even starting five. They're the worst five-man group in the NBA with more than 100 minutes. It's not even close. Um, I mean, depending on which net rating you use, we could look at minus 23.48 in 129 minutes. That was before tonight's game where they were outscored 33-17 at the beginning of the first, at the beginning of the first half and the beginning of the second half. They cannot do this again. They can't. I, it's it's actually malpractice. At this point, if they, if, if Vaughn or whoever, if there's like a disagreement about what's happening here, which there might be, honestly, this mm-hmm. could be like a Mark's. This could be like a Mark's and Vaughn disagreeing about like what the change should be. And so they're sort of just stuck. There's no excuse. They cannot start this unit again. It's like we've seen enough. They played the good teams with it, and they played the bad teams with it. Everyone's beaten them. <laughs> like it doesn't like. And, by the, and again, Pistons are the worst of the group, and they just crushed them again. Thirty-three seventeen. Vaughn had the weirdest quote before this game. Oh, he yeah. said, "I'm just going to read this. This is per Evan Barnes, um, which I believe is at New York Post. Uh, no, sorry, Newsday. Um, but he was. This was the press row. Uh, Jacques Vaughn on the starting lineup." The numbers have not, I can't even read this with a straight face. The numbers have been have not been efficient or sufficient enough for us. And so there probably will be a change at some point. What that change is, I'll continue to see how the group um dot 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 what would they need and what's best for their group. I mean, they all know it. Mm-hmm. They know it, they know it's not good. Sure. And there's been no change. It's terrible. It's terrible. I, I, I sorry to go long on this. It's no, like, no, I'm it's almost so, we've been saying it for five, four games now. Yeah, I'm not even I'm not even jumping in to cut you off for any other reason than drawing the point home has to be said. I'm only yep and I'm humming it because we've been it's been said. It's been said now at nauseum. They are and and to your point just around the Jock Vaughn take from this, and listen, the Nets got the win. Doug and I were talking before we started recording this episode. I I had some different energy coming into this one. They get the win, they get to 500, they get back to backs against Detroit. Like that is the overall takeaway here. And you still are a team 30 games in the season that's 500. Also, Jacques Vaughn, it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm curious to see what happens next, too. Like, that's what that response sounds like. It's so like, weird. Like, you know, so what weird. do you think is going to happen with the starting lineup? He's like, you and me both, hey, guy? Like, let's let's find out together. And that is, is when you mentioned about, is there a disconnect internally here? It feels like I there has so. to be because, yeah. remember, Jacques Vaughn is a coach going back to last year. He loves to give, and we appreciated detailed responses about how rotations have been working, plays that they were looking for, right? Like he actually went far deeper into some of the X's and O's that a lot of head coaches have in the NBA. Maybe that was an off-season change coming from the organization of like, hey, buddy, why don't you stop talking about everything that we're going to plan on doing? But I was really surprised by that from him. And you come in with the same lineup tonight. And while we would assume, cannot see it again, I guarantee you, I guarantee you we see it against Milwaukee. But why, why wouldn't we? Because there's been lockstep going back to the Denver game and games prior to that where you perfect opportunity to make the switch and they just haven't done it. So the win is the win. The Nets are 500. And also, this is a big carryover theme that does not seem to be going away anytime soon. Okay, that's the one place I'm going to disagree with you on. And it's not like a really big disagreement. Well, well two things. One is I, I'll hammer this home. I do think there's an internal disagreement about who should about the who yeah, should be playing i mean you feel I like think that's like pretty clear like yeah. whether it's like coaching staff front office to coaching staff like whatever it is i think that i think that quote that he had before the game 
clearly signals to me like they're the lack of definity around this is based on a disagreement about what the change should be. And so didn't, I didn't, like, didn't it feel like guess. a response to a Ben Simmons question in a lot of ways. Yes. Like the ambiguity yes. felt just the same, right? Which lets you know that they don't know what they're doing or that, you know, they, there isn't a clear decision to communicate directly about. I think it's situation. that they know it's bad and they don't, they can't agree on what the change is. Yes. And I think that like that's, and I think that's as big a problem as anything else. And I think that because it's so clear as day, like these guys, all these guys are smart. I know people want to like call people names like, and, and they, and they want to look at sports figures and say, and, you know, use pejoratives against them and say, these guys are all smart. I, that's yeah. and, and you're smart. Okay, here, let me put it this way. You're smart enough to read stuff we can read, like five-man lineup net rating stuff, right? <laughs> like, we're all, they're all, they didn't just like, you know, back into these jobs. They can all read that stuff, of course. Of course. I don't have to say that. So they all know. I, I think it's just a disagreement. But I do think, and we'll talk about this here in the bonus app uh, coming up here in a second because we're going to close this out and get into everyone here that's live over on YouTube. I, I do think tonight's game, signal a pretty clear change of what probably what's going to happen here going yep. forward. Um, and I, and I suspect next game, even though I said this two games ago, I know I was wrong, but this game, this, <laughs> this, well, by, this no, is, by, only, by the way, when we, when we had that discussion as well, I, you said, well, you said Denver game, why aren't they doing it? I said, well, you know, look, they got two games against Detroit, nice soft landing spot to get things back on track. They both came and went, the changes weren't made, but something did happen in this game that could be indicative of what's coming down the pike. Obviously, we'll dive into that as Doug said in the bonus episode in just a moment. All right. Much appreciate everyone here that jumped into live YouTube where the Nets do not lose to the Pistons. And that was the key here. Woo! Pistons continue to lose Nets on the historic two-game winning streak now that they've taken care of the Pistons. Much appreciate everyone here. We're going to jump into the YouTube live in a moment. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube as well. Buddy, you idiots. These are not them. You've captured their stunt doubles. That is Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We're back again in a moment talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Every day. Basketball, basketball.